Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you here this morning. My name is Pastor Josh. I'm the preaching pastor. Hebrews chapter 2, 10 through 18, what Tunde just read, is where we're going to be this morning. And so we're very thankful that we get to um, worship Jesus and exalt him. And um, I'm just really excited. I'm excited for this passage this morning. So let's, let's pray together and then we'll open up our time in the word. Father, we're so grateful for your grace and your mercy and your kindness. God, we're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for all that he is and all that he means to us, Lord. And we're so grateful that you've brought this group of people together this morning. There's no accidents with you, God. Everybody is here right on time. And you want to speak to them. You want to speak to us. So Jesus, I pray for your help, and I ask that the word would be clear, Holy Spirit, that you would have freedom to move in our hearts and our minds, and that, God, above all things, you would be glorified. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Every Sunday morning, Jesus and I have a conversation, and the conversation is basically the same Every Sunday morning, Lord, I need your help. I'll drive in. You've helped me every Sunday, but I can never remember. You've helped me preach. And Lord, again, we're back at that Sunday thing. And Jesus, I need your help again. And I need your strong help. Would you please help me again? That's what I prayed this morning. Would you please help me again? And Jesus has been pretty good. (laughs) He's been pretty faithful. He's always been there for me. Every time I've preached, he's been there for me. Um, Through sickness, I've preached a lot of sermons here not feeling very good. God has carried me. Through uh, good health, the Lord's been here. With us. Through rainy Sundays, I've had those. Snowy Sundays, unfortunately, we've had those. Hot and humid Sundays, sparsely attended Sundays, Sundays where you can't even find a seat because it's so full in here. We've seen it all. Jesus has been with me and he's been my helper. What about you? No doubt thoughts run through your mind all the time of doubt. We're assaulted with sinful thoughts where we talk to Jesus and we, we say things like, will I have enough? Will I have enough? And you fill in the blank. Will I have enough money? Will I have enough energy? Will I have enough perseverance to get through what I'm going through? Jesus, will I have enough? Some of you have asked the question, will I be good enough? Will I ever be good enough? Good enough to measure up to somebody's expectations? Or will I ever be good enough uh, to perform well enough for people to really clap for me and tell me I'm good at something? Some of you are asking the questions of Jesus, will I get hurt again? I don't want to get hurt again. 
I've been hurt. I don't want to get hurt again. Some of you can relate to that question. Another question that we ask God in our doubt is, does God care? Does he really care about me? Does he really care about what I'm going through? Will God help me? And we also question whether Jesus has the resources sometimes, don't we? Jesus, do you have enough for me? Because I'm bringing a lot of need to you. Can I really come to you and can you satisfy the deepest parts of me and take care of me? Jesus, will you be here with me now? Many of you have asked that question. Maybe even in recent days. Maybe even this morning. Jesus, are you here with me now? If you're human, you've asked these questions. And if you believe in Jesus... The resounding truth of Hebrews 2, 10 through 18, is that Jesus is here with us this morning. Amen? He's here. He's here in this gymnasium. He's here in your heart and mind. He's here. And the resounding message of Hebrews 2, 10 through 18, it's telling Hebrew Christians, hang in there. You're going through a lot. But hang in there because Jesus is here with you. And if it's good enough for Hebrew Christians thousands of years ago, it's the same message for us this morning. Jesus is here and he's here with us, with you and me. He's here to what? What's Jesus here for this morning? He's here to help you. He's here to heal you. And he's here to tell you. So this morning, if you're wondering what Jesus is going to do with you in this gym this morning, I want to tell you that he's here to help. Amen? Anybody need help this morning? Man, I hope so. Jesus is here to heal. Anybody got wounds? Jesus is here to heal you. And Jesus is here to tell. He's here to tell you. Anybody need your mind fixed? With some thoughts. Anybody need Jesus talking to him this morning? Amen. We're going to call these, these things that Jesus is here to do this morning, we're going to call them projects. He's got three projects to help, to heal, and to tell. I just want to introduce you to these things this morning, and by the grace of God, just feel the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart and mind this morning. Project number one that Jesus is here for, he is here to help you. And it says it in verse 18 very clearly. It says, because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is also able to help those who are being tempted. You go up to verse 16. It says, for surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. And then you go all the way up to verse 11. And 10, it says, For it is fitting that for him by whom and through whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, that he should make the founder of salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified have one source, which is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers. Jesus is on a project this morning within our hearts and lives, and that is to help us. Okay, the word in verse 18 for help, it it literally means to bring aid. So if you think of like a a foreign aid package that is coming to a nation in need, that's the idea here. And this word reminds us of Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. 
in times of trouble. The word help in verse 16 is a little bit more intense. All right, for surely it's not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. That word means to overtake or to seize with one's hands and to rescue from peril. That's what that word means. Now, Jesus, when he came to the earth, he took on flesh and bone and blood like us to help us. Amen? He took on flesh and blood and bone like us to help us. Morning, Randy. How you doing, buddy? Good. It's good to see you, man. Now look, here's an illustration of this word. We were on a wilderness trip many years ago, and a big guy named Ben was in our group. Ben was uh, trying to get into his canoe. We were portaging from a, from a trail to water. And, and Ben's a big dude. He's about 6'2", about 280. All right, big guy. And he was coming into um, kind of a marshy area to get into his canoe. And little did we know, there was what looked like just a nice mud landing, right? But one that you could walk on. All right, that was like quicksand mud. And, and Ben didn't know that. So Ben, ben walks over to get into his, his canoe. And he takes one step in and he just goes straight down. I mean, he is up above his chest right here. His arms are out. All we can see is Ben's bald head and his arms out like this. And this is a big dude, okay? And all of us do the Jesus thing. We laugh at him. And we, we laugh hysterically for a while because we want to just watch him suffer in the mud. But he's looking around. And he's stuck. There ain't going anywhere. And he looks around and looks like kind of panicky and looks at us and he said, uh, help? And all of a sudden we began to realize that we can't just keep laughing at him. We actually need to help him get out. And so we realized that it was going to take grip strength, his and ours, to get him out of here. Because this is a guy that weighs close to 300 pounds and so we grab a stick, like this big log, and we put it out to him, because none of us want to actually reach over and get him, because we'd be going into the same pit, right? And, and Ben grips on to that piece of wood, and we grip on. It takes four or five guys to pull him out, but we, we end up getting him out. But that's the idea of this word, help. When we don't know what to do, when we're struggling with our suffering and our sin and our trials, Jesus comes with a strong grip and he pulls us out of the mud. Amen? That's what Jesus does. That's what it means to, for him to help us. Jesus is here to help. Jesus is not here to hurt you. Don't believe the lies of Satan that that if you reach out your hand to Jesus, that he's going to laugh at you or not pull you up. He will grab you in your misfortune. He will grab you in your calamity, in your trial, in your tribulation. And with his strong hand, he will pull you out. That's what Jesus is here to do. It's said that he is the, the founder. He's the founder of salvation. And the word there in... in um, Verse 11, it means that he's the captain. He's the, the captain of our salvation. And 
The word here can be translated uh, like a pioneer who blazes a trail or a path. So if you pick, picture somebody uh, kind of cutting through the United States of America in the early pioneer days and he's slashing through woods and forests and making a pathway through the, the wilderness, that's what Jesus is for us. He is that in the area of salvation. He's the one who's going ahead of us. Jesus is not the, the, the person who stands back and yells at all of the, his little minions to do the work. Jesus is up in front of us and he's saying, look, I'm going to lead you and I'm going to help you. And, and you can just follow me as I blaze a trail called salvation. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 21 talks about this more. It says that Jesus left us an example that we would follow in his steps. Living Waters, Jesus is here this morning to help you. He has blazed the trail called salvation. He sees you in your suffering. He, he offers you a, a testimony of suffering and a strong hand to help. So if you're here this morning and you think, God doesn't care about me. God can't help me. Look at all my stuff. Look at all my problems. Look at all my finances. Look at all my, my tr trials and tribulations. God can't help me. I'm here to tell you through Hebrews 2, 8 through 10, he can, he's here to help. Jesus is here to help you and me. And if you are weak this morning, that is the perfect place to be because you can call out to him for help right now. Jesus has a project called helping. Secondly, the second project is healing. Jesus is here to heal you. Not only here to help you, he's here to heal you. Jesus is here to heal people. You can see this in verse 14 through 17. He's here to heal people of their fear of death. He's here to heal your fears. Verse 14, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver all those through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it's not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. The word fear is a really interesting word. It's, uh, it's phobos in the Greek. It's where we get our word phobia. Okay? You guys got phobias? Yeah, you do. Arachnophobia. Have you ever heard of that? It's a really famous movie. You're probably scared of spiders. All right? But look, phobia is the idea of being in dread of or being terrified. Every human is born with a certain level of fear because we live in a sin-cursed place. And every human has, has been born with the fear of dying. Job 18.14 calls death the king of terrors. Have you ever read that verse before? When sin entered the world in Genesis 3, Satan took hold of the keys of the power of death. And the power of the fear of death now belongs to Satan. You can see that in verse 15. Uh, we were subject to lifelong slavery. And, and at the end of verse 14, excuse me, the power of death is the person who is the devil. So the devil has the power of death in as much as he makes us scared of our own death. Death is kind of a, a difficult topic to, to discuss because many of us don't want to think about it. Many of us don't want to talk about it. The, the day of our death freaks us out a little bit. We don't know how we're going to die. We don't know when we're going to die. We just know that we're going to die. And because of that, that produces fear in our hearts. Well, if you're scared of death 
or you've been scared of death before, you're not alone. Because the power of death, the power of the fear of death, is in the hands of Satan himself. So when people are stricken with fear of death, they're slaves of that fear. And we see this a lot in our counseling ministry. We see a lot of people who are scared. Scared of a lot of different things, but death is certainly the trump card of what people are scared of. And Jesus said in John 8, 34, if you're a slave of fear, you're a slave of that thing. So Jesus, when he died on the cross, he came to destroy the works of the devil. You can see that in verse 14. Jesus came to destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. So when Christ died on the cross, he actually died to destroy the power of death and the power that Satan has over death. Can I get an amen? So the word destroy there means to render idle or to deactivate or to make inoperable. The idea there is that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he deactivated the power that death holds over our lives. Okay, so think of Mission Impossible. How many movies did Tom Cruise make of Mission Impossible? Like 80,000? Okay, so, so if you think of Tom Cruise in a Mission Impossible movie, we just watched one this week. There's always a bomb, normally, of some kind at the end of the movie. And you're, you're on the edge of your seat. Like, are they going to get to the bomb on time? And are they going to deactivate? And do you cut the red wire or not? Everybody's wondering. And they get to that, to that place where they, they find where the bomb is. And they cut the right wire. Or Tom Cruise touches the right button at the last second. And everybody's safe, right? That's the idea of what Jesus did. When he died on the cross, he deactivated the power of death. He took the bomb of fear that we feel at death and he deactivated it and he rendered Satan powerless. So when Jesus died, he stripped Satan of his power and he deactivated the power of death. He took the power of death from Satan and he rendered Satan useless. Amen? Satan, because of what Jesus has done in 2020, has no more power to tell you you need to be scared of your death if you know Christ. If you know Jesus, there is no more fear of death because Jesus has defeated Satan. Not only does Jesus destroy death, but he delivers. Okay, and the word there means to deliver, verse, five, verse 15, it means to set free. It means to release. Not only did Jesus strip Satan of his power, but he sets free those who are enslaved over the fear of death. You can see that in verse 15. And delivered those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So, so the author of Hebrews is telling us that if you're scared of death, you, you have this lifelong slavery in your heart and mind. And Jesus came to not only deactivate Satan's power, but to deliver the person who believes from that fear. Jesus is in the setting free business. Can I get an amen? Jesus said, who the Son sets free is free indeed. In John 8, 32-36, Jesus is a victorious Savior this morning. He's victorious over death. He's victorious over the grave, over the power and the fear that comes inside of your heart. Project number three is not only... Does Jesus help us and heal us? 
but he tells us. He tells us truth. And we can see this in verse 11 through 13, where it says, For he who sanctifies and those who sanctified have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell your name to my brothers, and in the midst of the congregation I will sing your praise. And again, I'll put my trust in him, and again, behold, I am the children God has given to me. Jesus tells us truth here. He tells us true things that we need to hear. As we look to him, he tells us amazing things, mainly that he's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters of his. Because of the gospel, Jesus has died and has risen again. And because of that, he has placed us into a very unique position that is brother of his, sister of his. Have you ever thought of yourself as a brother of Jesus? Or a sister of Jesus? Because of what Christ has done, that's exactly what you are. Jesus partook of our human nature and he makes us... Fellow heirs with Christ, with him. So when Jesus broke sin's mastery over us at the cross, he placed upon us his righteousness. He took all of our sin and all of our shame and he gave us his own righteousness and he says, you're my brother now. You're my sister now. This is an amazing thing. This is an amazing reality because Jesus, when he died, he gave us a, a position in heaven Where he brings us to God and he's not embarrassed to call us brothers and sisters. When we stand in the presence of God someday as believers, we will see God the Father in all of his glory. And then we will see Jesus and Jesus will look at us and he won't be ashamed of us. This is a miracle of grace. Because I don't know about you, the word ashamed there speaks a lot to our common experience. The word ashamed means to be embarrassed or reluctant, especially in regards to associations with other people. Have you ever been ashamed or embarrassed to be seen with certain people at certain times, in certain rooms, and in certain settings? Come on, people. You've all been that way before. Sometimes you've been the person that are like, I don't want to be seen with this person right here, right now. I don't want to be seen here. Other times you are the person that's, that's like trying to be seen with somebody else and you're being shunned and that's super, super hurtful. Okay, I grew up with three brothers, so we experienced uh, quite, quite a bit of that, as you might imagine. I'm raising four girls right now on the front row. Well, except for Salome, she's not here. But I have seen my share, good share of, of my daughters not wanting to necessarily be seen with their really cool mom and dad. Amen. So weird. There are certain settings in which the, the sisters don't want to be seen with each other. It, it, it depends on which friends they're around and which social circles they're running in. And as a kid, I remember being the second born out of four. I wanted to hang out with my older brother a lot. But the only way to do that was to be really cool like him. And I could never quite measure up. And it ticked me off. Because there were, there were some social settings where my brother would be like, Yeah, that's fine, Josh. You can tag along. Whatever. Yes. There were other settings in which Justin, he purposely forgot my name. I don't know that little boy over there. I've never seen him in my life. 
There were moments on a basketball court and on a football field in high school athletics when I'm like, wide open, pass me the ball. And he acts like he doesn't even see me. Bro, I'm leading the conference at three-point percentage. Pass me the rock. Here's the reality. We as humans, we play this sinful kind of impulse game all the time. Where there's some people, oh, I really want to be seen with some people. I really want to have coffee with some people. I really want to get together with some people. I really want to acknowledge my brother here or my sister here. But there's other settings where I don't want to do that. There's never been a moment when Jesus Christ looks at us if we've put our faith in Him and says, I'm ashamed of you. There's never a moment like that. Jesus is great because He helps us and He heals us and He tells us, if you're in me, if you have faith in me, I'll never be ashamed of you, ever. This is miraculous. Because when we come into heaven, Jesus... We're going to see his face. We're going to give him a hug. And he's going to say, welcome, sister. Welcome, brother. It's a pretty cool place, huh? And he's not going to be ashamed. He's going to go to God the Father, and he's going to go to everybody else, and he's going to say, this is my brother, this is my sister. Because of the amazing grace of Jesus, because we believe in him, Jesus is telling us this morning that no matter what our shortcomings are, and we all have them, no matter what our failures are, no matter how we feel like we're not measuring up, he's not ashamed of us. He has died for us, he's risen again for us, and we will be with him for all eternity. Jesus is going to call you into his heavenly dwelling and you will rule and reign with him forever and ever. Just yesterday I was singing at the marriage retreat and we were singing a praise song to finish up the conference. And as the song was singing, the Holy Spirit was just working in my life in a very specific way, and I was thinking about this truth, that Jesus isn't ashamed of me, even though I'm terrible. That I'm accepted because of what Christ has done. And I was thinking about all, <clears throat> all of our church, and I was beginning to think of all of you, and just thinking about people, and just praying for people. <clears throat> and Jesus, it was almost like he was talking to me during that last song. And I was thinking about cancer and I was thinking about surgeries and I was thinking about our, our church and I was thinking about all the stuff that's going on, all the things that I can't control and it was just like Jesus was just hugging me and saying, Josh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I got you. I've got fairway. I've got hospitals. I've got families. I've got people. I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed to call you mine. I'm not ashamed to call living waters mine. And I just, I mean, I, Danielle could tell, I was just like streaming, streaming, and like trying to wipe it off, you know? 
wipe the tears off because I don't want to be a crybaby. But the, the overwhelming beauty of Jesus, he's here to help us. He's here to heal us, church. And he's here to tell us that he's not ashamed of us. This is the beauty of the gospel. And I would just ask you to consider where you're at with Jesus this morning. Do you know him? Is he helping you? Is he healing you? And is he telling the truth? Let's all stand up together. Close our time in prayer. God, you are so good to us. Jesus, you are our <coughs> helper. Lord, you pull us out of the miry clay and you set us on the rock. <coughs> Lord, there, is, there are needs that we have all the time and we're wondering if you can help us. And Lord, would you just please talk to us right now and tell us that you're going to help us. Jesus, you're the one who heals us of our fear of death. We don't need to be scared of death. Death comes for every person in this room, but Lord, you have promised that we don't have to be afraid. You've already won the victory, Jesus. You're here to heal us of our fear. And God, you have told us truth this morning. That you're never going to be ashamed of us. You are never going to be ashamed to call us brother or sister. And so, Lord, for every person who is saved and a believer in this gym, I pray that you would encourage them. Jesus, help them to know that you're near. And Lord, if there's anybody here that does not know Jesus yet, and the fear of death is real, and they're not sure if you're ashamed of them or not, Lord, there's just a lot of lostness in their heart. I pray that you would convert them by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, just help us respond to you. Help us to trust you. Help us to see that you're all that we need. And you have everything in your hands. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.